ultimately deductions, what are some common things that you think independent creators forget to deduct that they should? Home office, cell phone, meals, and travel. Welcome back to the Think Media Podcast. Today's episode is all about YouTube taxes explained with money-saving tips for content creators. And this is kind of a beginner's guide to YouTube taxes. However, um, if you're even more advanced, our guest today is dropping some major knowledge and wisdom to help you improve your financial education and ultimately make, keep, and invest more money back in your business so you can make a greater impact. Now, Matt Bontrager, our guest, is a certified public accountant, a CPA licensed in Nevada, and he's the managing partner co-founder of TrueBooks which is an accounting firm specializing in real estate. Matt strives to help clients navigate complex tax code for their benefit, as well as keeping their accounting records organized and up to date. Matt's also a content creator himself, and he's an in-demand speaker for events, masterminds, and small groups of business leaders and teams. And the reason I love Matt is even if you're not into real estate, one of the smartest things you can do is start your creator economy business, grow it, start generating more revenue, and eventually invest intelligently in some of the best assets that give you tax benefits. And by far, real estate is the best. And so this is actually a three-part series that Matt is joining us for. In this first part, we're going to talk about some of the foundations of you, that you should know as far as setting up a business, an LLC, uh, different things like that, things you should know as far as write-offs and deductions, and even just the mindset that you should have when it comes to learning something that a lot of us don't want to talk about. Like, I just want to acknowledge you and uh, say I respect you for even clicking on an episode like this. There's a lot of you know sexier topics like thumbnails or titles or how do I go viral, but you also really want to make sure you're managing your money properly you're staying in compliance with the tax code, but you're also really taking advantage of the ethical ways to save money on taxes that content creators can take advantage of, as well as avoiding the pitfalls and the mistakes. And Matt covers all of that. So definitely also subscribe so you're notified when we release part two and three. And today's episode is brought to you by thinkcpas.com, but we'll share a little bit more about that with you later. So let's get into the featured content. I'm here with Matt Bontrager, and we're talking about YouTube taxes explained, money-saving tips for content creators. And I'm honestly fired up because I think this is going to be one of our best episodes. It's not the sexiest thing. Like, people don't necessarily get pumped about structuring their businesses, taxes, write-offs. A lot of people have the mentality of, like, the head in the sand. They just kind of like, I right, let me just avoid that. But I honestly believe this is one of the most important skill sets to dive into and so let's start it off, though, Matt, with just kind of the mindset. Some people think this is complicated. This is overwhelming. Why should I even learn this? Uh, for a newer entrepreneur, a newer YouTube creator, somebody that's just coming into making money, a small business owner, uh, why do they need to learn this? And what's like the right frame of mind to get in? I think the the main reason is that saying of the way you do anything is the way you do everything. And so it may seem hard up front. But if you spend an hour, two hours understanding what you need to do correctly, which we'll go over, it's really easy and it's going to set you up for a ton of success going forward. Yeah. You know, for me, um, I, I read a book years ago called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. 
And it actually was one of the most foundational things that would that simply had this premise. You need to get a financial education. That's like Robert Kiyosaki's biggest thing. You need to start understanding taxes, understanding how, how are W-2s taxed versus how are a, a freelancer versus a business owner versus an investor mm-hmm. and moving through these kind of cash flow quadrants. So what's the 30,000 foot level though of why someone should start a side business and why is YouTube technically a business? So first, YouTube is technically a business because you are self-employed. YouTube is paying you not as an employee, you are a subcontractor, right? You are making affiliate income from using their service. But the reason I would go back to why I would start a business in today's society, in today's world, is because if you're a W-2 employee, you get a paycheck and that's it. If you make 50,000 on paper, you're gonna pay tax on 50,000, given a couple things you can do to lower it or increase it, but that's it. Once you're self-employed, you literally have the entire tax code at your disposal to try to bring it down to zero. So I would much rather be somebody making 50,000 as a self-employed contractor and pay zero in tax than to be a manager at a department store making 50,000 and paying five to 10,000 in tax. What do you technically need to do to become self-employed? earn money by performing self-employed services. So you technically don't have to start an entity to actually be self-employed. As soon as you start collecting money, which here in the US would be like 1099 income, self-employed income from anywhere. If YouTube pays you some monetization, you can start earning some money. But the key thing here is someone might say, oh, well, my YouTube channel's not making any money yet. I haven't started a business. Is that true? No. So when you start the businesses in a way, it's when your mindset, you, you say, I've decided to start. Exactly. Even without starting an entity. That is one of the biggest misconceptions is that you need an LLC or an entity or a corp to take deductions. And that is so far from the truth. Wow. So, and, and that, that was an unlock for me years ago too, that once I shifted into this mindset, I was like, okay, if I start YouTube, I can, and I start shooting photography for people. I I, I pick up a client, I shoot a wedding video or something. I can now be in the mentality of being a business owner before having an LLC. So when I'm doing that, what I learned from a tax perspective, I can just be a sole proprietor with just my social security number, true? Very true. And so then what are the benefits of becoming an LLC or having a DBA or proposed, uh, opposed to a sole proprietor? What's the difference? legal protection. And that's where a lot of people get caught up. They think they need an LLC for tax benefits. Not the case. The only reason you would really get an LLC is to formally start a business and separate the liability of you doing business from your personal self. What would you personally uh, say, uh, you know, as a CPA, and of course, you're not, you're just giving out general advice, not specific advice. But what would you personally say about when someone should start an LLC if they're just kind of doing YouTube as a side hustle? As soon as I'm in the pursuit of income consistently, I would start an LLC. So if I'm going to go into YouTube and buy equipment and put a plan together to film, I'm going to set up an LLC at that point. Are you also doing that for kind of tracking? Because now there's an entity and there's a spreadsheet underneath that entity to say, 
this camera is all related to this LLC. This education I'm investing in is related to this LLC. Exactly. So as soon as I set that up, you have to treat it as a separate entity and it's going to do all of its own business as that business. If we stay on this topic for a second, um, I'm curious what you think about this advice that I was given. We were going to probably, or I was working at a church, so I had, double, I had W-2 income. I was making a salary and I was, I had side income. Freelance clients would pay me, so they would pay me 1099 contractor services, essentially. And then I was probably getting 50 bucks a month from YouTube and Amazon uh, affiliates was maybe giving me 32 bucks a month. And so I did not have an entity at this time. I'm living in Las Vegas. I'm working at this church. And I asked the, the tax preparers and CPA we were working with at the time, I said, do you think I should start an LLC? And they said, do you think you're going to get sued? Or do you think you have any legal things? And I said, I don't, I don't think so. I understand that protection. And they said, I don't know if you should do it until you're making six figures a year. What are your thoughts on that? I would disagree with that. But what I want to shine on that is notice how they asked. It was all in regards to liability. Do you think you're going to get sued? And that just shows you the LLC is not there to help you tax-wise. It's there to help you liability-wise. But here's... I could be making 50,000 bucks, again, lower than the number they told you, and potentially get sued. I could make 10,000. I can make no money and go out and do business and really mess up and get sued. So that's where as soon as I'm in the pursuit of income, I'm just going to come out of the gate with the LLC because what's the cost of an LLC here in Nevada? 425 bucks. So it's an investment, yes, and I know cash flow can be tight when you're starting, but again, if I have a plan in place to pursue income with this business idea, I'm going to get an LLC. Okay. And so when it comes to setting an LLC up, what would you recommend? People have asked LegalZoom, um, you know, have somebody do it for you, do it yourself. Your thoughts to keep it as simple as possible for the listener. If you're confident in doing it, I would do it yourself. If not, like a LegalZoom. Because if you go to like an attorney or some CPAs, they're going to charge you one, two thousand bucks. And to me, that's overpriced. I would much rather see you use that cash to invest in your business and kickstart you. I love it. And I also want to encourage... If you're listening to this, we're going to talk about S-Corps in the second and part two of this conversation where things get a little more advanced, but we kind of just want to lay a foundation. And that really becomes interesting at around 45, 50K a year. And so if you're net, net that's great. So uh, definitely listen to all these and re-listen to these because I know that we're dropping a lot of information on you. But just to recap a couple things. So how much do you need to be earning now? We've started our LLC we intend to make money. How much do we actually need to be earning for us to actually get tax savings? How much would you need to earn to get tax savings? Yeah. At what point does even getting a write-off or a deduction even become legitimate? Like, is there a certain number, if I make under a certain amount a year, it's not even going to have any tax implications? You don't need to earn anything because let's be honest, most people, when they start their businesses, they're going to buy equipment and they're going to purchase things and they're not going to make a lot of money. So it's very likely in year one, you're going to have more expenses than you do income, which is going to be a loss. So you're going to be, so, but how much, when do I start getting taxed? How much money, uh, or what am I taking that loss against? So if in my first year of doing YouTube, um, no money comes in, what am I writing off? If I, if I spend $20,000 on camera, building a studio, paint, uh, track lighting for my studio right off the couch that's in the background of my studio. And we'll get into deductions in a, in a, in a second. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. But what am I actually writing off in that? Am I able to write that off against my W-2 income? 
Yes, and I was going to say that's my favorite strategy for somebody that's just starting a business because let's say you are a department store manager making 50K and you go out and start a YouTube channel. You buy some equipment. You buy a laptop. You buy a mic. You are going to deduct some of those costs against no income. You likely won't make anything your first year. Yes. And now, what did we say up front? If you make 50 grand as a department store manager, you're going to pay tax on 50 grand. Let's say your business, you lose three grand because you paid for equipment to start up. Now you can net that three against your W-2. And now I made 47,000 on paper. So now some of those taxes I withheld on my paycheck, what do I get? A bigger refund. So this is the unlock. And this is why you need to start a business. This is why you might've technically already started. You needed to start thinking different maybe set up an LLC because you've got your day job. And so you're listening to this, you make 40K a year, 60K a year, 80K a year, um, but that's W2 income. So you start a YouTube channel. Most listening have already started it. You've bought a couple hundred, a couple thousand dollars a year. Maybe you bought uh, one of our programs or one of our courses, any books you buy related to your, your business. So all of that, and then maybe your YouTube channel is earning 5K, 10K. Um, you could zero out the income of your YouTube channel or your online business, but you're also able to take losses against your W-2 income. The question people are going to ask, though, how long can you do this? The IRS might identify this eventually as a hobby, mm-hmm. but the genius is you have a little bit of time to do this at least for a while, and it's also fair because most businesses aren't profitable for a couple of years, exactly. but there is a certain point in time when you do need to show profit. What is that time frame? Year three is ideally when you want to turn a profit. And exactly as you said, the reason could be if you consistently show losses on paper and I'm the IRS, I'm going to think, are you really here to make money or just accumulate losses and make no income? And is it really a hobby? And if they try to say it's a hobby, then all of those deductions could be disallowed. And so, and again, this ties back into what you were saying, being organized and keeping your books is going to help you show that you're a solidified business. So the secret here is if you were just like, I just love photography and I love drones and I've decided to follow this advice, you'd be misunderstanding us if you just for the next 10 years thought, I got this cool job and I just want more tax deduction. So I'm going to write off all these expensive lenses and cameras and drones and travel to go films. But the goal is you're saying you could go 24 months you could travel around because you're filming drone footage for your YouTube channel, you're investing in drones, you're investing in cameras, and then you also have a plan, which I hope if you're listening to the Think Media podcast, you have a plan to actually be profitable, that you it could be two whole years of losses, but in that third year, now AdSense is kicking in, you're selling your LUTs, you've got an online course, your services, whatever else. So just like any other business, certain business like Amazon, they actually probably a little bit different because they're bigger in the IRS, but they, were naked, they weren't showing profit for years. For sure. Uh, but in this case, you're saying you're going to be safe if at least by year three, you want to start showing profit. Yes. And that doesn't mean that if you truly lost money in year three, four, five, that you can't still take the loss. I would recommend you as a CPA to still do that. But again, you want to be conscious of, is your revenue going up? Because maybe... The auditor comes and they go, hey, you've taken a loss now four years in a row, but 
in year three, you made 20 grand top line. And in year four, you made 40 grand. So you're showing some sort of pursuit of income. But again, it would be, Got it. you want to turn a profit eventually, unless you're reinvesting in the business and showing losses. That makes sense. If you're just kind of joking around, you're yeah. like, I'm writing off my PS5 and my games because yeah. I'm a streamer. And, and then you just are never show anything. But if you're actually like continuing to level up your office and all yeah. this kind of stuff and your streaming income is going up and up and there's brand deal transactions. So that kind of goes back to one of your big pieces of advice, which is record keeping. Oh, why is the that? biggest. And people hate that. Oh, they but, hate it. But why is that it. so important? Because at the end of the day, it's going to save you money with your accountant, I'll be honest, if somebody comes to us now and they have clean records and one of them has messy records, the person with messy records is going to get a higher bill. Why? Because we have to spend more time on their work. And two, tax planning, which is a little bit more in episode two, that that's where the money's made. That's where you're gonna sit down and strategize on how to bring your income to zero on paper, right? And help you make money and pay zero in tax. You can't do any of that unless you have your books ready. And what do I mean by books ready? For those of you listening, could you come to me on Monday? This is what I always like to ask. And sit down with me to tax plan, but could you show me a year-to-date profit and loss? Could you show me what your expenses were? Most of the time, that answer is no. Mm. So let's, if you're listening to this, first of all, that's painful. But second of all, you go, I want the one, two, three steps of what to do next. Mm. Uh, of course, you know, this episode is brought to you by thinkcpas.com. That's just uh, a, 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 your ability to work with Matt. Matt's who we work with. Um, and if you're at a certain level, we'll talk about that later. He'd be a great one to connect with. But we also want you to just be able to potentially run this independently. If someone's trying to kind of do this on their own and they want to prepare for this, is there a software you recommend? Get this software and start plugging numbers into this. QuickBooks Online. You can sync your bank account directly to it and it will feed the transactions in. It's as simple as you bought a meal, drop down menu, meals. Got you it. You paid for a Netflix subscription for your office, for your clients, subscriptions. It's that easy. What do you think about like things like mileage? You like apps or anything for Mile IQ. Mile IQ. Uh, and so if there's business related, you could swipe left or right. So now you could, so you're tracking, you're tracking mm -hmm. your mileage, you're entering things into QuickBooks. Uh, QuickBooks. What do you think about things like throwing it out there, like bench accounting? So some of these like online services that may not be as high levels, having a dedicated person like you, uh, but having kind of a hybrid model. Have you heard of those? Yeah, no, yeah, they're great. And that's where the differentiating factor is. Are you somebody that wants to have no, in, like little to no involvement? Go bench. If you're somebody that's okay, I'm really tight on cash flow. I don't want to spend 200 bucks a month with Bench. I'd rather save the money and do it myself because there's not a lot of activity. Go QuickBooks and do it yourself. Got it. So DIY QuickBooks, do it yourself. You could look at Bench. One of my things, you could go to Google and type in Bench versus because there's mm -hmm. other services and you could compare and yeah. contrast. And then you get to a higher level. You want more help with like consulting and your in tax planning, tax services, uh, or rather projections. And we'll talk more about that in episode two. But but summarizing, we're talking about get your numbers right, commit to QuickBooks Online. Because mm -hmm. by the way, we use QuickBooks as well. So at whatever level, Sonia, who is our CFO, my wife, um, she keeps detailed records. Um, and, and then that is easy for you to now come in and look and obviously it saves us a lot of time and energy. And so it's painful. You may not want to do it, but you got to do it or marry the right person, mm -hmm. uh, or, you know, connect with the right person or, or, or collaborate with the right person because it's absolutely key to be on top of your numbers. 
that was how we were able to tax plan is because she has it ready. You're not wasting time going back and saying, hey, yeah, I have my receipts, but I don't know exactly what I've lost or made. And then it's like, well, I can't really help you. Yeah. And there is, it, it is another model I've heard was uh, my friend Chad. Um, he he was much more in-person. Everything's online now, but he was much more in-person transactions. What he would do is he would throw all of his receipts in a shoebox oh. and he would hand that over to someone and he didn't care. He was a... a like a Judd and Black serve, uh, salesman. So he's, he was making good money. He didn't care. But that that would be the other thing is you're getting, make sure you get those receipts. They're emailing them to you, right? You mm -hmm. get the receipts and the email you use to sign up for almost everything online maybe. You got to collect all of your receipts. And that's also where you can also get some of your biggest savings. Let's talk about deductions. So the big, the funny thing is there's that meme, right? Is there's that meme of like, it's a write-off. It's a deduction. What does that mean? It means it was free. It means I didn't, it was, I, you know, I bought a camera, my camera was free. Well, that is a myth, right? Yes. Let's just talk about why deductions. How much are people really paying in taxes? And how much, how much are taxes actually costing people? When I think people think their biggest expense is they think it's their internet bill is their biggest expense, their coffee bill is their biggest expense, their mortgage bill is their biggest expense. How much are people actually paying in taxes? Let's think about it this way. If you're at the 25% tax rate between whatever state you live in and federal, Every dollar you miss because of bad record keeping, you're paying 25 cents in tax. So that's why it's so important to keep track of your expenses and your deductions. So if I would say 25 to 50% in overpayment of tax because of bad tracking. Which is absolutely massive. So Insane. At, so, so let's, a lot of people are probably not making six figures a year, but let's, let's just round it because it's easiest math for me. You make $100,000 a year at 25%, you're gonna pay $25,000 to the IRS. That's assuming your income is net, $100,000. So theoretically then, with proper deductions and tax strategy, you could pay, instead of 25, you could pay 20, instead of 20, and, and theoretically you could pay zero, especially- I'd say on average, they should be falling 10 to 15. So you'd, that'd be $15,000 back in your pocket. Back so you, in your business. And back into your business, reinvest. So you're talking about if you make $100,000 a year, you're probably paying the IRS $25,000 when you should only be paying them like fifteen, dollars and you're keeping the other ten, or reinvesting it, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And you have more to show for it after. Exactly. Now you have that next office you want to upgrade to, that next vehicle you want to upgrade to for your business, whatever else. Okay, so- then ultimately deductions, what are some common things that you think independent creators forget to deduct that they should? Home office, cell phone, meals, and travel. Those are some sleepers that really Okay, let's hit up. them. So home office. So what can you do to write off your home office? How does it work? So honestly, your CPA should give you a template to really track this, which again, we can give to you and then you can send to the listeners. But for example, if you work out of your home, your power bill now has become partially deductible. Your internet bill, your cable bill, you, the equipment that we're using. So if you, I know in my office, I have a desk, I have a chair, I have cameras, monitors, all of that can be deductible. So keeping track of all of that is really important. And so, and you do that based on square footage. Exactly. So for things like your cable bill. Yeah. Your office, let's just say, is 10% of the square footage of your entire home, yep. which is square foot of your office divided into square foot of the entire home. Yep. You get 10%. All of these general utility bills of your entire house 
could ideally be allocated 10% towards your business. So uh, some specific advice here. We're here in Anderson Studios. That's where we film the Think Media podcast. And he actually has devoted an entire loft, an entire office, an entire closet, and an entire bathroom. bathroom. Because and, and, and for the IRS, too, to know, there's other bathrooms. There's a whole downstairs. There's whole, so this is entirely devoted to business. Mm-hmm. He's also able to lease, list this out, sublease it to us or whatever and others. And he has he's able to use this space. So it's entirely devoted to business. It's also then quite a bit of square footage. It I'm going to guess this is at least five to seven hundred square feet. Four to seven hundred square feet in what I'm seeing here. Yeah. So it so it's so then let's just say it was twenty percent of the entire house because this is much bigger. And yep. and then he's got a lot to show for it. Videos to show. Yep. Bigger than a normal home office. Production is happening here. So would you then say your electric bill? You're gonna you're gonna write off twenty percent of your electric bill, the percent that is the square footage of the mm-hmm. of the office. Exactly. And then that apply you could apply that to water and everything. Mortgage interest. If he rented this place instead of owning it, not sure which one, but even if you rent the property, yeah. that now portion of rent is deductible. And if you don't rent it, but you have a mortgage, you can write a percentage of mortgage interest off. Exactly, because your principal is not a deduction. Sheesh. Okay, so home office is is gnarly. And stick with us. I know this episode's already kind of crazy, but that's a big one. You also said cell phone. Are you going to write off 100% of your cell phone? The majority of it, right? So like, that's where you start to get into why would you track miles? Why do you track allocations? Is because some things that you purchase in life, and that's one of the best things about being self-employed, you mix business and pleasure. So I'm going to use my cell phone for business and I'm going to yeah. use it for personal use. So if I think that I'm using my cell phone because I'm mainly on it 70, 80, 90% of the time for business, or I have a separate cell phone just for business, then I'm writing that entire thing off. But yeah, yeah I'm definitely going to take a portion of my cell phone. Percentages was one of the biggest secrets that I learned that changed everything for me because I kind of thought it was this all or nothing. That's why they're sleepers because people think they're all or nothing. Yeah, like, oh, I I've used it personal. I, like, I can't use it. I use my car. I went to the grocery store, and mm-hmm. like it's not a hundred percent business, but percentage is. And what is the IRS asking? Is it what reasonable, ordinary, ordinary and necessary? Is it ordinary that someone else in this business would spend money on this? And is it necessary for me to pursue my income, which? Doing deals, talking to clients on a cell yeah. phone is very reasonable. And having a car is ordinary and necessary. Yeah. But then the key, and this is the advice I was given, your goal would be in keeping record keeping, in, in doing record, record keeping, working with a great CPA, or at least really understanding this stuff, is then thinking about if you were to present this in, in a hearing and someone asked you, why did you write off 80% of your car? And you go, well, like, Here's actually, here's the the tracking of it. Here's when I use it. And I barely use it for personal, but I predominantly use it for work. And they go, oh, that's reasonable. Or why did you write off a certain percentage of X? Is that the right thinking? Exactly. I've been in audits with an IRS auditor sitting just like this. And that's exactly the discussion you have. They're just another person saying, why is this reasonable? And and then you and then your thing is to justify and back it up. So similarly, uh, if you were to write off travel, mm-hmm. do in some cases you might not write off a hundred percent of travel. Exactly. And 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 would you say that in an, in an audited uh, auditing situation or in defending yourself to IRS that it probably looks even better because it's thoughtful that you are doing percentages. If you go, man, I'm writing off the whole exactly. trip. Exactly. But you go, no, no, no. Like, so it's, listen, I needed to visit this rental property I have, mm-hmm. or I went and filmed, I went and filmed a podcast with somebody. Here's the record of the podcast, yep. and I shot a video, but I was there for two weeks. Did you really need to be there for two weeks? Exactly. So you might write off a portion of your travel. Now the IRS also sees you're taking it really seriously to be thoughtful, 
And uh, so percentages is that unlock. Big. Okay, so home office, smartphone, what was the other one? Meals. Meals. And that's because now it's 100%. That just shocked the entire tax community when that came out. So how do I write off meals? What would be a legitimate meal that I could write off? Me and you going to dinner to discuss working together. What about me uh, getting coffee on the way over here for this work day? Pers if you brought coffee to us, yes. If you bought coffee for yourself, technically no. Okay. So, so um, see the difference. You got to be doing something with a colleague or an employee or a prospect. Got it. So if I take uh, the Think Media team out, um, or a team member to have a leadership conversation to, to talk about things, a, a hire, I take you out as a client or somebody we're collaborating with. I could write that off 100% right now. My favorite thing to do. And that changed recently. It used to be 50. Yeah. So somebody would come to us with 10,000 in meal expense. They would only get five. But because of COVID and the restaurant industry getting hit so hard to stim... This is an exact example of how the government stimulates spending through tax yeah. code. They're like, hey, restaurants are getting crushed. We mm. want you to spend money in the restaurant industry. We're going to give you 100% deduction. What do you know? People are spending money like crazy now on dinners and going out because... It's fully tax, right? It's fully tax deductible. So I'm glad you brought that up because a listener could also be wondering, like, wait a minute here. Are you trying to game the system? Is this some kind of a trick? Are you trying to I know about you business people trying to use the tax code? You just said it. The reason these things are here is actually to stimulate the economy because money it it went to hundred percent, especially during the pandemic, because they wanted to get business owners giving restaurants money because they want business owners to give car dealerships money because they want business owners to give Canon, VidIQ and Canon money. They want business owners to give other business owners for consulting and services and courses because it all stimulates the economy. Monies make the gears turn. Look at PPP loans. Right. So yeah. that this is actually how when you invest money, not in, uh, of course, personal expenses, but when you invest in business expenses, I heard some, some advice from, I think it was Grant Cardone. He had like rules that he liked to go through before making a purchase. And one of his big questions he'd ask is, can I write it off? Mm -hmm. He hesitates to buy it, but it's like, if I can write it off, then it's a whole different deal because I'm potentially going to pay 25% less for that, 37% less than that. And not only that, what you're also then investing in is not in just like, buying a camera so it sits there. You're investing in a tool that will give you the ability to create better content the next year. So if you can consistently kick the tax can down the road, that's why year end, we're trying to buy new laptops, helps us go faster, mm -hmm. gets that new Mac MacBook M1, helps us edit faster, be more productive, hopefully also increase the satisfaction of the team, saves me money because I'm paying them the same regardless, but now they're more productive in the time because their laptop's going faster but we also get a major discount on that. In our case, 37% off of that lap laptop. We have more buying power and uh, our assets are technically bigger, although tech is becoming more and more useless over the years. But it's nice. We have a bigger world, bigger impact, all because of thinking through this. So you talked about home, uh, home office. You talked about meals. You talked about phone. What were the other ones? Travel. Travel. So you can write off travel. You can. So are you telling me, if I'm going to go to Think Media's conference in Las Vegas, that I could write that trip trip off? Yes. So how does that work? So the thing you want to keep in mind with travel is a 5149 rule. Okay. If I'm going for four days, I want three of it to be for business. That allows me to write off the transportation too. Okay. So you can see and you hear people say wrap the weekend, meaning let's go on a Thursday. We'll work Thursday, Friday. 
We're going to play Saturday, Sunday, and we're going to work Monday. That entire trip is deductible now for my travel cost to get there. So 5149 just being a quick rule of thumb of how many days am I going to spend here? And is the majority of it going to be business? If so, yes on writing off your travel. So if I buy a ticket to uh, Think Media's conference in Las Vegas, I could write the ticket off. I'm going to write the airline off. I'm going to write the hotel off. I'm going to write meals off while I'm there. It's a business trip. I'm going to write my Uber off to get there. I'm going to write out the Uber off. And then, of course, if I buy some souvenirs or whatever, that's personal. Um, But... Eh, if I buy a cool Think notebook that I'm going to use to keep my business notes in. Uh, if I, like, if yeah. I buy Think Media merch, yeah. that's related to, okay. Yeah. Um, and so uh, travel. And is there any others, common deductions any creators forget to deduct? Mm, I think just equipment in general, like people buy cords, cameras, all of these small accessories, and they just forget. And it's, again, through the leakage of bad bookkeeping. But yeah. Think of it now, just like Grant says, every time you purchase something, can this be deductible? Yes. Yeah. Is there a limit? So uh, a question came in from Joe. He said, would you consider two iPad purchases, two laptops, or one laptop with a desktop all in the same year excessive uh, for a single member LLC? Not at all. And so who's it to say that it's excessive? I would honestly say your accountant is going to help you navigate that road because here's an example. If I see a tax return where somebody made 25000 in revenue and their meals say 22000 that seems odd. Got it. Red flag. So re- kind of reasonable, what would a reasonable human, li- what would not, what would cause mm. a red flag? Yes, but then it, right, and so something like that, a variant. So here's honestly how the IRS is going to catch you. Every tax return has a business code. So if you're a small business taxpayer, you're going to report your business on Schedule C. But anyways, you have a small business code there. And what it is, is on their backend system, if out of all the tax returns with that business code, your meals is 200% higher, there's likely a chance you'll get flagged. And that's how they track this. And that's right. And that's the purpose of that. And that's where your accountant would see business code and they'd be able to help you navigate those roads. But that's where at the end of the day, if that person had 25,000 of income and 22,000 in meals and it was legitimate, we're going to do it. But it would just be very unlikely. Amazing. Okay. So Kind of just to hammer in this point and really learn through this, a great question came in from Alaska Homestead on our community tab. And uh, the question was, like, so you're a cooking channel, let's say, and you buy a new smoker, but you're going to use the smoker in videos, but you're also going to use it for personal use. Is this deductible? And if so, uh, what percentage would you recommend in that situation? So something like that is obviously going to come to allocation, but if I'm a big enough channel, and I know this is where it gets great, but if I'm a big enough channel and I know that nine out of 10 times I'm using that that yeah. smoker for my channel, I'm writing the entire thing off because that doesn't mean that if I have a company car and I write off the entire thing that I can't go pick up groceries in it. Yeah, You know gotcha. what I mean? So that's where it is a gut feeling and that's where advisory services really come in. You want somebody in your corner to ask this to, but I would write off the entire thing. See, like that. that also gives you a perspective on like your holistic because- Truth be told, like we're we're a multi-million dollar business. Mm-hmm. So so maybe one particular piece of tech is like a rounding error. Like one particular yes. like, like extension cords or or even even more expensive tech, you buy that. Another way to put it would be here in CES in Vegas, um, they uh, set up all these booths, all these companies come in. They spend thousands on building a booth with IKEA furniture and then they throw it away after. Yes. Which is awful, yes. but it speaks to the side where like, where did that go? I mean, if, if 
Lisa took the furniture home. They're like, it's being thrown away regardless. Yep. And the, at, at that scale, so your point exactly. is that's, that's why advisory services are important because um, it, it, at a certain scale, like you're barely, no money's coming in. It's more of a hobby level and, and you're trying to write off your smoker and your dishes and whatever. But if you were like an at scale cooking channel, you might have a level of volume of stuff coming through where you literally use it once in a video. And mm -hmm. that's legitimate for the whole scale of how much money that, that video, uh, generates. And of course, you know, you're the expert, but am I thinking right? That was the best answer because I was just going to say for that channel, it may be a smoker for think media. It may be an exotic car or a small plane. Sure. Yeah. You know, so that's ex that's exactly like you were saying, right? Yeah. Like at scale. Exactly. Totally. Because yeah. of the level of the content you're doing. Yes. And actually that speaks to, again, and this channel's at 34,000 subscribers. That's a, that's They're a getting fair, to a level yes. where it would probably be smart to work with Think CPAs. Right off that smoker. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And, to, and to be working with somebody like thinkcpas.com yeah. because you want wisdom with that. And again, that's just a form to work with Matt and his team. But uh, okay. So- what are the tax rates? So now thinking about this, mm. and 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 again, this information is obviously we're talking here in the U.S. You got to look at your local, you know, area, but it's it's a bracket system. What does that mean? So a lot of people get confused where they think, oh, I'm at this bracket, which is let's say twenty four percent. I'm going to pay twenty four percent on all of my money, and that's not how it works. So if you want to pop up what the brackets are here, the way that the bracket system works is you're going to pay X amount of dollars or you're going to pay X amount of tax on so many dollars. And then when you move to the next bracket, you're only going to pay that new rate on those amount of dollars and those amount of dollars. So you consistently move up. Mm. Like for example, the top tax rate, 37%, you're only going to pay that on over like on money over, let's say 530,000 or 470,000, whatever net it is. Income. Yes. Net. So if, so if, if you make 500 or whatever thousand, and then you make another five hundred thousand. You're only going to pay thirty seven percent on the on the past. That exactly, number. past that number. Got it. Yes, and that's where you bring up a good topic too, which is on net income. So, for example, if my business made a hundred bucks mm -hmm. before expenses, I'm not going to pay tax on a hundred bucks. I first get to take my expenses against it, and let's say it brings me down to eighty. I'm going to pay tax on eighty. Yeah. So that's what a deduction is. It just lowers the amount of money subject to tax. Yes. Okay. Yes. And and again. Highly recommend you subscribe to the podcast on YouTube or audio, wherever you're listening. In episode two, it gets, it is probably one of the most important things that business owners that are starting to scale should be thinking about. What are some more advanced level kind of write-offs or intelligent ways I should be thinking, especially related to, let's say, real estate or uh, investing in or retirement, defined benefit plans, all this kind of stuff. That's all episode two. Um, let's break down some uh, mistakes. We've already hit them, but just recap me to, to simplify. Biggest mistakes people are making. They're listening to this, and, and what, are, what are some of the biggest mistakes that a new creator, a new small business owner, and everyone listening to this should be thinking like a business now uh, that they make? The number one, if you met with me next week, could you show me a profit and loss year to date? And if that answer is no, you need to get that going, which I would recommend QuickBooks. Okay, so Keeping your, your expenses organized. Which includes... Tracking of receipts. Yep. So saving receipts. And is there any other than shoebox, especially with things being digital, what is your way of tracking receipts? Receipts plus QuickBooks? So QuickBooks actually has a, oh, you just had this transaction. Do you want to take a picture of the receipt and tie it to it? Yes. Right Got from it. your phone. Got it. Yeah. I still actually have a lot of receipts printed out. I am, I'm so blessed to have Sonia in my life, but I will say, they say, do you want a receipt? I'll say, yes. I use a pen and I write what's on there for all the meals. Mm -hmm. I write on the receipt. I write, you know, met with Kyle, 
talked about social media. And uh, and then and then these days though, how about this? How about a business credit card? Because some, if it's devoted a credit card or debit card, uh, because then everything you put on that, if you swipe it, it's for business. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? Yes, and so that's where I always tell people, try and get a separate business credit card if you can, actually under your business. So if you have an LLC, yeah. get a business credit card for the LLC. But then the next question is, well, it's a personal credit card, but I like the reward points. Sure, but only use it for business then because at the end of the year, you don't want to go through a thousand transactions and see what's business and what's personal. So what about separate bank accounts? Huge, huge, because so you don't want to pierce the corporate veil. And that's where this can come up. Let's say you get sued. Yeah. And then the attorney looks into the records and they see you were using your business bank account as like a personal piggy bank. You're going to the spa with it. Are you really using this business as a business? And if that answer is no, then that li- all that liability protection is gone. So other than tracking for accounting and keeping things yeah. separate to keep you sane and your accountant sane for liability purposes, which was the whole reason you got the LLC, yes, keep it separate. Okay, so to summarize, you want to keep great records. And one of the ways to keep great records is, is to make sure you don't pierce the corporate veil to keep it simple. If you want to use a debit card or um, and you're a Dave Ramsey fan and you don't believe in credit cards, then just have you have your personal debit card and you could have a business debit card. If you're a Think Media fan and you're self-disciplined, you love credit cards and you always pay off the balance in full, but you understand at the scale, we, we get something like $30,000 in points back every year for cash back. And I've heard, you know, Dave's like, you know, ain't nobody ever got rich, you know, by credit card points. And I'll be like, well, that might be true, but I'll tell you this. $30,000 is like a real amount of money. And, and with the level of business expenses that we mm-hmm. spend, uh, we just funnel those through a credit card. The key, though, you're saying is even if you should set up an LLC, you said that. But even if you didn't, just make sure to have one clearly that it's all organized, all in one place. You can see all of those business expenses were on one credit card because you love the points. And then something else uh, on your other one that's personal and keep those separate. What happens if you accidentally make a mistake? It's, first of all, not the end of the world. Second, it's still deductible. Yeah. So if you end up using a personal card for business, don't think you don't get the write-off. You still get the write-off. And three, try not to do it again. Yeah, it happens. Great. Okay. And so as we land the plane, um, foundational tips that we promise to for YouTubers starting a business, for content creators starting a business, uh, let me know if I miss anything. You, You recommend set up an LLC. I do. Uh, as soon as you intend to make money and you're taking this serious, which if you're listening to this podcast, that's you. It's like Jay-Z said, I'm not a businessman. I am a business, comma, man. I'm a business. So even if I'm just starting my YouTube channel, my camera, all this different stuff, I need to start taking a record. It's also kind of like like you should start acting like it before you're fully it. 1,000%. Like if you're single and you want to get married, you shouldn't just think, oh, someday I'll just all of a sudden be ready for marriage. Walk you should start walk. walking the walk. And so walking the walk means entering your numbers, tracking receipts, spending intelligence. It also means investing yourself. If you're a business owner that wants to grow, you're a business owner that's investing in your business. So you're tracking your travel, you're tracking your cameras, you're tracking your gear, you're tracking your education. Great. So set up an ILC, get QuickBooks. Start entering your numbers. Maybe get get your separate bank accounts. Mm-hmm. Uh, get get a card for business and a card for personal. Um, debit if you want. Credit if you want. Travel miles if you want. Um, and anything else to just have a solid foundation. Once you've done all of that, the next step would honestly be to find somebody to do your taxes. And so 
H&R Block? Not bad, but I'm always a fan of, because I get this question all the time, when should I hire a CPA? Yeah. And I honestly think the second you become self-employed. Okay. Because all the questions that anyone's going to have watching this, who are they going to ask? Yeah. Hopefully you know, the video answers it, but. And, and again, listen, if I, I highly recommend, we've been working with Matt now for a while and, and you have that option, but I just know this list. And I know a lot of list, listeners might have, have run into the same thing. We did get a CPA back when we started Clear Vision Media, 2009. My wife and I are living in Marysville, Washington. And I started to study. I'm reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I'm studying the books. I'm, I'm studying online. And I just remember, I would go down to our CPA and I was the one with the ideas. I was the one who was asking questions. And what he would do is I'd bring up something intelligent, like, hey, this is kind of what we're doing for a business. Can we write this off? And he'd be like, well, I guess, like that is accurate. And I was like, bro, you got the wrong energy. Yeah. I was yeah. like, I'm looking for, yeah. I'm looking for you to bring me the ideas. Yeah, like, I, sure. why am I coming with all the creative ideas and bringing yeah. things up? So you do want to, it's a big deal. And and, and the, the key is this, if it's, you talk the six figure number, right? You could probably take, pay 25,000 in taxes, just really rough numbers. In the savings alone, not only will that pay for the expenses of, of the CPA, but, and then some. Oh, It'll yeah. pay for mile, mile IQ, which I resisted that one too. I was like, mile IQ, 67 bucks a year or something like that. And, and the savings will pay, like that's I think the mindset. Scared money don't make money. No, very true. So you want, you're investing in your business, but it's also a smart investment because the return you're gonna get is, you're gonna save even more than the cost of keeping it right, having a good CPA, having a good advisory, right? You should always see a return on all of the costs we've just talked about especially your CPA. They should be they should be a profit center for your business. And yeah, and if you're worth the wrong person, and the problem with an H&R Block or my CPA uh, in Marysville, Washington, is they weren't the kind of return people. They still charge me too, actually too, but like they, I, they weren't bringing the ideas and they weren't really ready for the creator economy. It, uh, that too. That's, I think it's, it's a whole new kind of world. So you want someone on the cutting edge and again, one of the reasons why we like working with you, we met you through Ryan Pineda, is Ryan was not just investing in doing real estate, but he was also doing content. You guys are obsessed with being on the bleeding edge. You're helping us stay sharp because it's a new world. It's a new way of con new world of content creation, traveling for creating content, all these different things. So you want an advisory that's tuned into what's happening now that's not thinking like 10, 15 years ago. Exactly. Somebody that's helping clients similar to you in their situation, you know. And I mean the CPA industry is a lot of old heads. They're not really in tune with what's going on. So exactly like you said, you want to be up to date with what's going on and you want somebody to, that's in your corner that like they're going to ask the questions and poke around and because that's what we get all the time is, you know, I went to my old CPA and they were like, exactly like you said, yeah, you could do this or I haven't heard of that. I'm not comfortable doing that. And that's a sign that you maybe need to find someone else. That you else. maybe need to sign, find somebody else. Great advice. Okay, Matt, you, you're posting a lot of great content on social media. People want to follow you. Where are you at? Instagram's the best, at Matt Bontrager. So definitely follow Matt. You can check out the show notes. And then also, if you want to connect with Matt in TrueBooks, his company, if you go to thinkcpas.com, they uh, just have a form to see if that's even a right fit for you. Um, but we'll also hook you up with a special deal just because uh, you met them through us. Um, if not, cool. Get your books in order. Figure it out. Get it set up right. And all of those details are linked up in the show notes. And so definitely connect with Matt and his team and make sure you're subscribed because it's about the rabbit hole is about to go deeper with some more advanced strategies in episode two.
So if your brain hurts after listening to this first episode with Matt, I don't blame you. There's a lot of information here, and I want to encourage you, pace yourself. You may want to listen to this episode again because it's it's heavy. Like There's just a ton of new terms and terminologies to learn, and I feel like the tax code is kind of overly complex, like they're trying to trick us. Who knows? But nevertheless, it's one of the biggest things you can invest in. One of the most important things you can invest in is getting your financial education, is learning, uh, is increasing your financial intelligence, and that's what this series is all about. And I just want to ask, if you got value today, would you consider sharing this with somebody? Maybe there's a business owner, a content creator, Maybe there were some aha moments where you're like, man, I didn't know that or I hadn't thought about that. One of the best ways that we can accomplish our mission here at Think Media is by getting this information in the hands of as many people as possible. We want people to not pay. We just want people to pay their fair share of taxes, but not more than they should be paying. And we also want people to understand the benefits of some of the write-offs and deductions that you can take that the tax code incentivizes because it means you're scaling your business. You're investing in tools and resources and real estate and people, and you're ultimately making a greater impact and creating a win-win-win-win scenario. You're making more, you're helping other people make more and feed their families. It's actually really why I believe uh, it's, it's the pro side, the positive side of the tax code is they want to incentivize business owners, value creators. You're a small business owner as a content creator, and uh, you want to be maximizing those benefits. And so make sure you're subscribed for part two, and also share this out um, with anybody in your network that would maybe benefit from this. That would mean the world to us. Also, if you are listening on audio, it would mean the world to me if you left a review over on Apple Podcasts. And if you're here on YouTube, I would love any follow-up questions because we want to have Matt back on the show. So drop a question um, in the comments section down below so that we can continue to uh, help in whatever way possible your tax-related, business-related, business structure-related questions. And then finally, if you're a business owner that uh, would like some help specifically from Matt, Matt is who we use. We use TrueBooks. It's been a great experience. We've actually switched a couple different times, and we've now been with Matt for a few years. If you check out the show notes or just go to thinkcpas.com, you'll be able to fill out a form, and you'll see if working with them is right for you. If I would say if you're at a level where money is coming in, you have some momentum in your online business or in your YouTube channel and the kind of income streams that are coming in, it's time to get your books right and it's time to get your CPA right. Matt and I might not be the right fit, but somebody is. One of the best investments you uh, can make is ultimately in getting a good financial team around you. And I do recommend TrueBooks. So you could check them out at thinkcpas.com. That's thinkcpas.com. And uh, I will see you in the next episode of the Think Media Podcast. 